Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. Then as soon as we wanted to watch it on that Forgotten Cinema, it goes to A&E, and I got to pay to rent it. She obliterates his area. He's back up fighting like there's no pain going through there. Lady, you're about five punches to the ball. That too late. guy there's nothing down yeah. there but dust. That guy needs to be on the floor writhing in pain. Oh man, he reads a lot. He's such a weird <laughs> man. He's so great. He's so much better than everybody. He is, right? Look oh at that review. Oh my god. Hi, I'm Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode, we highlight a film that, for a variety of reasons, was forgotten by audiences. Whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time, or the movie simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the film, or perhaps don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. If you enjoy our podcast, we want to hear from you. We're on Instagram and Facebook. Find us. Our podcast is available on all platforms, with a backlog of 150 episodes for your listening pleasure. What's up, Mike? Nothing much. We are... What's up? Go ahead. I was going to say, just uh, finished watching a really depressing movie. It's not depressing. It's a really good film. Oh, it's a phenomenal film. It should have won Best Picture. It wasn't even nominated. (laughs) I know, which is even worse. All right. Well, okay. Well, whatever your mythical (laughs) award ceremony you're having, uh, we are joined by Pat Whalen again. He is returning. I think I... He joined us on our Summer Catch episode, and I teased that he was going to be on this episode with us. Pat, how are you doing? I'm good, Mike. How are you? I'm doing well. For those who don't know, Pat Pat and I did a podcast way that we kind of finished up 23 episodes, 30 episodes. 30 right? episodes. 30 episodes of called Yet Another MCU Podcast, which was about the MCU films through phases one through three, right? Yes. yes. I keep yep. forgetting yeah. stuff like that. Um, Pat is, uh, Mike has actually guested on that podcast a couple of times in the Captain America episodes, right? Captain America. The one for one, one and two, two right? Yeah. yeah. So Pat is joining us again. He picked this film, as I talked about uh, earlier with a lot of our uh, guests that are coming on the show this season. I gave him the list. They chose from it. And Pat picked Wind River. Wind River. Mike, what's Wind River about? Wellfield. Thanks for asking. Oh, boy. <laughs> Corey Lambert is a wildlife officer who finds the body of an 18-year-old woman on an American Indian reservation in snowy Wyoming. When the autopsy reveals that she was raped, FBI agent Jane Banner arrives to investigate. Teaming up with Lambert as a guide, the duo soon find that their lives are in danger while trying to solve the mystery of the teen's death. I think that you should have read that a little bit more dour. You're a little upbeat with that You're writing. Right. <laughs> Corey Lambert. <laughs> exactly. Somebody give me some unsolved mysteries music. Oh, <laughs> uh, what? Well, you edit. He <laughs> <laughs> seemed like a normal, everyday kind of guy <laughs> until he wasn't. Dun, 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 dun. Wind River has a runtime of 107 minutes. It's rated R. Production budget of $11 million, which somewhat surprised me, but I'm actually appreciative of that. Release date was Friday, August 18th, 2017. Opening weekend, it did $2.9 million. I should ref- preface this that it does have a limited release, but I did not want to do the limited release because it was like four theaters. So that was on August 4th. So I'm not referencing August 4th. I know that's the limited release. Did 161000 that week which was a 40,000 per location average, which was the best of 2017, which is probably why I got a wide release. But I'm not referencing, I'm doing the wide release of August 18th, 2017. And that weekend, like I said, it did 2.9 million. Domestic total was 33.8 million. International was 10.4. And then worldwide came out to $44.2 million. That's a huge jump. What from two point four to end up with thirty three? Two point four in the first weekend to end up with thirty three total. Well, it's a word of mouth movie. Word of yeah. mouth movie. It's, a, it's a really good film. It is. I'm not. I mean, not <laughs> disagreeing. Spoiler with alert. 
It's really good. I like this. One. I don't know if you know why you put this on the list. Why you this on the list. <laughs> All I was trying to say is from opening at 2.4 million to end up with 33 domestic. That's a significant word of mouth jump. Agreed. Absolutely. Well, it, was, it probably had a lot. Hey, man, I, yeah. I'm right there with you. Remember when theaters were busy back then before pandemic? <laughs> <laughs> Why am I laughing at that? Uh, so production company was, there's a bunch of them. Uh, I don't know how to say this name. Uh, Axia, Axia Entertainment, ACA, CIA Entertainment, Savvy, excuse me, Savvy Media Holdings, Synergics Films, Thunder Road Pictures, and Film 44, distributed by the Weinstein Company. Boo, right? Uh, and removed. Well, yeah, this was distributed by the Weinstein Company in the United States. It was distributed in the United Kingdom by STX International, and then it was distributed in France by Metropolitan Film Export. What Butler is referencing is that this came out, and then I think a month or so after, the whole stuff with Harvey Weinstein came out, and Sheridan, Taylor Sheridan, who wrote and directed this film, went to the Weinstein Company and said, "Do get take the stuff, take your name off the movie." And sell it. And they ended up selling it to folk. They took their name off. They sell it. They sold the home video rights to Focus Features, I think, right? Lionsgate. Lionsgate. What- You're right. Lionsgate. And so and so therefore, while it is distributed to the Weinstein company when it first came out, it is no longer referenced, you know, <laughs> no longer yeah. associated with that company. So, and that is why. Uh, I said it came out on the 18th in terms of its wide. It went up against it a wide release to Hitman's Bodyguard. Fans, anyone? 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 It's okay. Anyone? It's anyone? The, the second one's all. The first one's watchable. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. Uh, also, Logan Lucky, which is an episode we did. And it's a movie we love. That's fantastic. Yes. And in a limited release that weekend, Patty Cakes, which none of you have watched, but I have, and it's actually not that bad. Did you watch it's, a, it's like an Australian know. or a British rapper. She's a she's a rapper. She's an Australian actress, but she's playing like uh, it's. I think she's in well, Jersey. Yeah, the character. Yeah, she's like. Oh, a, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. Patty cakes. It's actually no. pretty good. The song's pretty good. Oh wait, no, hang on. <laughs> wait, let me look up this poster. I think I do know what this is. All right, the song she sings at the end is really good. Oh yep, I I never saw it, but I remember this. Okay, being a thing. Yeah, it was a it was a brief thing. Yeah, uh, the 25th <laughs> of August, the week after, you had Leap. That is an animated film. I think it's a foreign film, too. Birth of the Dragon, All Saints, Good Time, Ingrid Goes West, and Red Christmas. Was, Red Christmas was the limited release that week. And then the week before, the 11th of August, in a wide release, you had The Nut Job 2, Nutty by Nature, which I saw in the theater. Annabelle Creation and The Glass Castle. And Good Time and Ingrid West, Ingrid Goes West, was, uh, there were limited releases that weekend as well. So there you go. And you guys, any of those ring a bell to you or no? I knew most of those. Yeah, but, but you I never don't saw, them. I saw them. No. I've been always meaning to circle back to Ingrid Goes West because a lot of people on it and I keep We had it for a, a week. Yeah, we didn't have it for a while. Is that Audrey? Yeah. Aubrey, Aubrey, Plaza, Aubrey, yeah. Aubrey Plaza, yeah. So this film, like I said before, was direct, written and directed by Taylor Sheridan. Sheridan has directed Those Who Wish Me Dead. The T- He's done a bunch of episodes and he's a creator of the TV show Yellowstone, the TV show 1883. The TV show Mayor of Kingstown and any kind of TV show that's coming on the Paramount Plus. He wrote, <laughs> he wrote, uh, he was nominated for an Oscar for writing for Hell or High Water. He also wrote Sicario and the sequel to Sicario. And he also wrote Without Remorse. Did you watch the sequel to Sicario? I did, yeah. I can't remember why we didn't watch that in theaters when it came out. Uh, I think we just didn't get to it. I, but it's not obviously as good as Sicario, uh, but it's decent. It's, you know, mm-hmm. I actually didn't mind Those Who Wish Me Dead. I know it's not great, but it was actually okay. I don't. That's the one with Angelina Jolie where you're stuck in the forest, the fire, the raging. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. It's actually not bad. Uh, Cinematography was Ben Richardson, who's done the TV show Mayor of Easttown, the movie Table 19 and 1922. He also does a lot of the stuff with Sheridan and Yellowstone and Mayor of Kingston. I just didn't want to put that in there. 1922 is... A Yellowstone. That's eighteen eighty three. Not eighteen eighty three. Nineteen. What's that? I think nineteen twenty two is the Stephen King movie that's on Netflix. 
right? Oh, and Thomas uh, Jane. Yes. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yep. Good two composers. You had Nick Cave and Warren Ellis. Nick Cave did The Road, Lawless, and War Machine. He's also a singer-songwriter for those out there. Uh, Warren Ellis has done the TV show Mars. <laughs> <laughs> Edited by Gary Roach, who was nominated for an Oscar for editing American Sniper. He's also done Gran Torino and Prisoners. And then produced by Elizabeth Bell, Peter Berg, Matthew George, Basil Ewanick, and Wayne Rogers. Uh, you know what? I'm not even going to uh, give you all their credits because it's a lot of producers. I'm like, <laughs> uh, Jeremy Renner plays Corey Lambert. He was nominated for two Oscars. Do you know what movies they're from, Butler? Without guessing? Uh, Hurt Without Locker knowing? is yeah. one of them. That's one. I figured you get the Hurt Locker. Do you know, Pat? He didn't get it for the town, did he? He did get it for the did town. Did he? Okay. for the town. He's also, he's, in, awesome. he's also in Arrival, which I almost think we should put Arrival on the list. Everybody talks, talks about it. Everybody I don't talk about to Arrival. anybody about Arrival. I just see the meme all the time when she's holding the chalkboard <laughs> up or whatever, the whiteboard, and then everyone puts whatever they want there. <laughs> He's also the bad guy in the house. I, I, do you ever see the house with Will Ferrell and Amy Poehler where they start running a casino yes. in their house? Yes. It's, yes. Oh, Sorry. You seen that? Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. That was funny. <laughs> I don't know why I think of that. Always, He's the one I think he gets his arm caught on fire, right? Uh, he uh, does he get his arm caught I on thought, fire? Because he comes towards the end. <clears throat> Yeah, I always think about when they, they accidentally chop off the finger. I know, that's funny. He's like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> everywhere. Elizabeth Olsen as Jane Banner. She's in Martha, Marcy May, Marlene, Liberal Arts, and the remake of Old Boy. You noticed that it did not bring up any of this. I did notice that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I don't want to. You don't have to. You, I think, I believe everyone would know that Renner plays Hawkeye and all of everything MCU and Olsen is the Scarlet Witch or whatever. Yep. But I'm, I wanted to bring up some of the other stuff that Brothers also in tag, which we bring up a lot. Tag's I a good like one. Tag. Tag's good. Tag's That's good. funny. Tag's funny. But I just didn't want to. I didn't think like bringing up the MCU films. I know they all know them from that, but like I feel like this is so far removed from that that I don't want to. Uh, and I have a point to make he's about that later in this movie. And he's good at aiming in Hawkeye. Yeah, aiming, d- aiming the arrows that aren't there. I'm, I'm going to put that as an IMDb. <laughs> I'm going to put that as an IMDb fact. Okay, go for it. <laughs> Graham Greene as Ben. He is nominated for an Oscar for Dances with Wolves. He's also in Die Hard with a Vengeance and The Green Mile. Kelsey Asbill. I probably said that wrong. Plays Natalie. She's in the TV show Fargo, Wellstone, Pair of Kings. Gil Birmingham plays Martin. He uh, he is the father of Natalie. He's in the Twilight series. A lot of these people are in the Twilight series as well. He's and a lot of these people are in the Yellowstone, which he is in. He's also in the Lone Ranger movie we did, Butler. Julia Jones plays Wilma, who I immediately knew. She plays the wife of Corey Lambert, the ex-wife. I immediately knew who she was because I saw Dexter New Blood, and she plays the sheriff in Dexter New Blood. <laughs> uh, she's also in Cold Pursuit, the movie. And then you have a couple other people in here that you probably recognize from the... Drilling Camp, The Drillers, John Bernthal, which I totally forgot he was in this film. He plays Matt. He plays the boyfriend of Natalie. He's in the, obviously the TV show The Punisher. He's in the, in the Account, which is an episode we did this week, this season, Butler. He's also mm-hmm. in The Wolf of Wall Street. James Jordan as Pete. Uh, he's in the Mayor of Kingstown TV show and the movie Destroyer. Uh, Pete is the, the main assailant in this film. Uh, Matthew Del Negro as Dylan from the TV show Sopranos and the TV show City on a Hill. And then Hugh Dillon as Curtis. Who is an X company and the TV show Flashpoint? So uh, I think it's pretty much common knowledge that we all like this film. So I mean, right? We all yeah, like this film. Absolutely. I know. I always ask this upon. Is this your second watch of this, or you've seen it before? Fourth, I think. Okay, you've seen it. A yeah, bunch I've seen of it a couple times. Okay. Yeah. How many times do you see? I mean, I catch. See, I, I think saw this the, is three. Yeah. For me, I mean, I've seen. We saw it the first time, and then I see scenes. Right. I see mm-hmm. Moments. I mean, I've watched the final gunfight scene on YouTube because I'm like, I want to watch that scene again because yeah. I, I, I <laughs> love that scene. Yeah. Um. So it's it's such a great scene, but 
I don't. So I, I, I asked this question last time with summer catch in terms of if anything changed, did you end up liking this film more and not liking this film more? Did you something come out? Like, well, let's start off with maybe something you didn't really notice the first time you watched it. So what now you like, maybe yeah. about this, what had, what has changed for you from the very first time you watched it to the more recent time, which you really appreciate, or it doesn't have to be something new. It could be something that just, you kind of like, I really like this part of the movie or this person or whatever. I think it's a lot like um, like Shutter Island, where you pick up on you know what the the twist is, right? In Shutter Island, and you pick up on on some of the cues that are throughout the movie. Like, there's a few pieces in here that, like the one that comes to mind uh, most notably is when Elizabeth Olsen's character Jane Banner that they're at the camp. It's the end of the movie, right before the gunfight. She's knocking on the door, trying to get Matt out of, or not Matt, yeah, find Pete, out who's in there, yeah, find out who's in the in in the shack, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the secure the head of the security is right behind her and saying, "There's an FBI standing right in front of the door." Yeah, and he's not saying that to like make him open up. He's giving him the cues as to where to fire. Right, right. absolutely. And that's I think there's that's one of my uh, the, the biggest things that I picked up. And I like those little those little moments that at first when I first watched it, I was like, okay, yeah, you know, it just seemed like another piece of dialogue that was part of the scene. But what he was really doing was setting them all up. Mm-hmm. What about you, Butler? This time I noticed that there's not really a mystery. The movie runs really quick. It's fast film. Yep. Mm-hmm. And there's not really, they're not really solving any kind of case. Which, what's his face mentions, Ben, Graham Greene's character. That it gets really, I like that because I was like, that would be bad, but they also met, they also. In this case, it's solving itself. <laughs> it does. Yeah. It solves itself. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's almost convenient. But then you see how stupid the security guys are. And it's just like, yeah, no, I can see them really just bungling that whole thing up. Well, I think, and to that point, I think that makes kind of sense that it's, these cases aren't difficult. The, the, the point of the fact is that people don't even bother. They don't even say the fact that Jane stays and tries is, is right. What is rare, which is another thing is, you know, when I watched it the first time, all I could think about was how strong, Renner's performance was and Bernthal's in his short little scene. Well, Bernthal is just listen. Bernthal's amazing. He is he is really good in everything he's in, and I've seen him in stuff that the movies are terrible. But but he is really good, and it's like I really like. I know that he's got that credit, and I know that people love him as the Punisher. But like, I really want to see John Bernthal in a lot of big roles that a lot of big actors are in. You know what I mean? That American Gigolo, but that's a TV show. Like, I get that. I know that's where the world's going in terms of like work Mm -hmm. content and and stories are going. the Wire creator, which I still have to see. Oh, oh we yeah, own the yeah, city. Yeah, it's another like, TV like, thing. I want him like like when you see DiCaprio in like a big film. Like yeah. I him want that for Bernthal. I want in in I those films. Like we'll but what you need there. to do is get Taylor Sheridan back doing movies. That's true. And then get, and he'll get him. He back. is so good. Like the, the moment when he knows that he's going to take a beating and he's telling her to run. Yeah. Yep. And that is such a good moment. He, he plays everything with so much emotion. Right. Like right. He's just very. It's very easy. He. Very confident in what he does as an actor. Two things there. One, he lost toenails as part of that fight. That, three, yeah. toenails. Four. three toenails. Four toenails yeah. as part of that fight. Two, the other thing that I was going to say is... Which I don't I, know how, but all right. I think he could probably get caught in the car. Yeah. That's what I would imagine. I think his biggest and best career decision was leaving The Walking Dead. And I understand his character in the comics gets, gets killed off anyway. But his biggest and best decision was leaving that show. Sure. And now he can go and do whatever he, he wants. he gets offered so much. Yeah. He's like, he, he's everywhere. Like, well, his whole know, thing is he's even said in interviews, like I've now I've made enough money to live comfortably. Yeah. I just even if it's a small role, which is why he does something like this. 
I just want to work with every awesome director that I can. Sure. So I'll pick any role. Like they want to give me a two two second role, I'll take it mm-hmm. just to say I can work with them. Yeah, that's great though. That's what you want, yeah. but that's what you want out of your performers, and that's it. One of the things I want because I know I asked you both this question. I want to tell you what I like the Renner monologue about when he's talking about Emily. I really like. Mm-hmm. I kind of wish it was a one shot. Mm-hmm. That whole because he has it's a huge monologue where he's just kind of talking about Emily to uh, Jane, right? Yeah, Jane, yeah. He's trying to tell and and just kind of the emotion that he's doing. And he's matter of fact, a lot of his dialogue is not matter of fact, but he doesn't have too much inflection. It's almost as is, and he's he's saying a lot, but he doesn't want to say a lot. I feel like that's because he says it early on as he ate his grief, right? Yes, that whole moment, yeah. That moment, but also I really like the moment, which I didn't kind of pick up on. Maybe I just never wrote it down. But when at the end of the film, when he's got Pete and he tells him, you know, tell me, tell, you got to say it. You got to say the words. You got to say the words. And he says that I raped her and he yells it. There's a moment where they cut to Renner's face and he's like holding back. He's eating that emotion yes. that he talked about. Yeah. He won't let it come out. So it was a really, really cool moment. And I think like that, it, like this movie could have easily dove into their his past like hit like the stuff that happened to his daughter right yep. but it doesn't it doesn't t- it doesn't go to that point where it overshadows the story they're telling it yep. just helps shade where renner's coming from which i really really like well, that's what renner and bernthal are really good but this watch i think elizabeth olsen like i always liked her like she ran six miles in the snow at the end but i think even through the whole thing i i had a lot not that i didn't like her performance but i had a lot more respect i maybe watched it a little closer this time her performance is phenomenal mm-hmm. to the point where i was like you know you could do sequels to wind river but with her character just getting stronger and stronger sure. as a yeah. FBI investigator sure. what were you gonna say? Well, i want to add the, the other thing that i did notice and it kind of goes to your two points is you know his daughter emily's death yeah. exists as a phantom over the whole movie right but it doesn't overpower the movie and the the only into elizabeth olsen's character the only female character that we spend any true amount of time with is Elizabeth Olsen's character. We see in in the whole point of this movie and it's obviously said in the, in the title card at the end of it is that the rapes and the murders of native and indigenous indigenous women are, are there's so many of them that go unreported that go unsolved. Right. We don't spend it like these women exist in the background mm-hmm. of this movie. And I think if we spent any more time with them, we would lose some of that a theme the, the the thematic telling of, of what they're trying to say because you'd you, stop maybe believing that. you'd stop believing the story and you're like no 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 but they're all there but if you look at the movie you know you open up with the ex-wife who says i'm gonna go take a job somewhere but i'm not going through that town but we we maybe spend what five minutes screen time total with her yeah we then it's um which i love that line uh, not to cut you off but i love when he says that in the opening of the film he's like who's the victim today and he's like looks like it's gonna be me like yeah. i love that uh, yeah. Like, yeah 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 um, the next character that we meet is her mother. It's, it's the ex-wife's mother, right? Who we get about 12 seconds of screen time with. And yep. it's just like, Hey, this is my granddaughter. I'm not lending you. I'm this. not lending, I'm not lending you. Lending you hear? Yeah. Right. You know, I want this back. Then we meet the mother of Natalie mm-hmm. who again she's has maybe she's just cutting herself yeah. and it, she's, she's dealing with the grief. And so those are the, the female characters that exist in this movie, the female native characters well, that exist Natalie. in this movie and Natalie that who we spend more time with, but Natalie and Emily exist as phantoms throughout the yeah, whole movie. Natalie is a flashback. Yeah. So like yeah. We, we, we focus on these, these, we don't focus on these characters. And I think that that helps set the stage and, you know, push the, the theme home. Sure. Uh, to your point about the quote at the end. So the last 
quote at the end of the film is while missing person statistics are compiled for every other demographic, none exists for Native American women. So Taylor Sheridan in an NPR interview talked about that quote when he said, I had two researchers spend three months. Two researchers spent three months trying to find a statistic. And when they came back to him, they said, we cannot find a statistic. No one's keeping it. And he's like, well, that that'll be our statistic, there, yeah. which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I, I think there's a reason why he did this film was to kind of highlight that was to highlight all of the, the hypocrisy. The, but the tragedy. Yes. The tragedy, yeah, tragedy. That, the, the, that this happens. And like we talk about like they're not investigating. No. Like the whole point of Ben saying like this is some stuff because they would because there's not like it's not a huge mystery. Like people know why these things are happening. Yeah. People know who's doing it, but nobody's bothering to look. Well, the problem also is the legality of it. Right. You right. get into when they get to the oil rig is only the fed can deal with it. But <laughs> even at the beginning, which apparently is untrue. She's like, I can't investigate this unless right. it's a murder. But in reality, the feds can investigate. Uh, yes. They can. And also rape that she also said it can't be if you don't put it as a murder, but if, but if she said it was rape, the feds can investigate. That's one of the 20. That, that's one of the Doesn't, notes I yeah. have. Yeah. Uh, let me let me get the note because I just want to talk out of turn. Oh, it's one of the things. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So she mentions that rape is is the matter for the Bureau of Indian, Indian Affairs that she can't do it. But right. the FBI has they exclusive jurisdiction it. over over 20 crimes committed, including rape. So but, she could. But you still get that con- convoluted. Well, for the movie, it works. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I need this to be a murder. Well, it wasn't a murder because she died from right. her lungs filling up with blood, which apparently also doesn't actually happen. Oh, really? Yeah. Where'd you hear that? Uh, that is a note I have. I'll find it. We'll get to it because I'm sure we'll talk about the ending with Pete. <laughs> I love the ending with Pete. Yeah. The ending with Pete's Pete. amazing. Um, I made my girlfriend like she turned away and I was like, come back. You got to watch Pete that. And she's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I will add the other because we're going back to like Graham Greene's character's line about how they just sell and themselves. Yep. They mention very early on, is there anything nearby? And they say there's an oil. They say they drop it in there that yeah. there's an oil rig camp or whatever. And they say it's five miles away. Yeah. It's almost like. Eh, it's only five, it's five. Like they don't believe that she could have run right. that far. Yes, absolutely. Yep. So in the beginning of the film, I want to ask you, because I don't know. The beginning of the film, when he shoots the wolves that are... Uh, mm-hmm. I love when he shoots the first one. The other two are like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but when he drags the wolf bleeding, is that a thing? Is that something they do? They drag the, the blood of the wolf around? Because he's like dragging the wolf away and he's like dragging its blood everywhere. I thought he's just taking the wolf off. The just taking the wolf yeah. away? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. Well, I mean, That's how it, he has to do it. So I know in, in the Native American culture that, you know, they want to respect the body no matter how you, no matter what happens to it. So maybe he wants to do something with maybe it, skin it, do something. Yeah. yeah. He's probably, he's got to bring it to somebody. Yeah. yeah. He can't just bury it or burn it. Right. Right. And Although then, I just want to point out though, you're, you're talking to three guys in the basement who podcast. We're not the outdoorsy I know, I type here, Mike. Oh no. <laughs> I, know. I know. I know. I'm just asking. I thought maybe you looked it up. <laughs> no, I, I think that was, you know, the, the kills are still supposed to be sacred. And you you need to use the the body, even though he's got to go kill those three about that mountain lion family at it's some point. Well, he feels bad about it, yeah, because he says the mom doomed the kids, yeah, because she's practicing with livestock on how to hunt, yeah, and by practicing on livestock, that's what they'll hunt going forward, right? Which is why he has to well, kill but, him. But when yeah. you have the champ food supply right there, what are you supposed to do as a mountain lion? Cool. Like you're not supposed to know that hey, they're all down there. Well, yeah, <laughs> she's trying to feed her kid, <laughs> man. <laughs> Uh, so it's not possible to freeze your lungs by running, even in extreme cold. Your air gets heated by the nose and throat before it reaches the lungs, and the lungs themselves are continually heated by your circulating blood. So you would die from hypothermia long before your lungs could freeze. Well, that still makes for a better ending of the movie, so I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he reaches for the sky. 
Uh, did you have the note that uh, Olsen got snow blindness from this film? I did, and I totally believe that. So, we, well, snow blindness, snow blindness, Jesus, is temporary eye pain and discomfort after exposure to too much UV light, usually caused by the UV rays reflected off the snow and ice. I've gotten that. I, I get mean, that like, all the time with a shovel. Yeah. I never bring sunglasses. Right. So, yeah, when when you're like, ah, that's snow blindness. So snow hmm. blindness. I can't say blindness. Jesus. Good job. <laughs> right. <laughs> I will say, and this maybe isn't necessarily the case for anything other than like a Marvel movie. I just sat and watched the credits and just sat and watched, listened to the song and watched the credits. And I know that's a weird, cried. No, cried. not cried, but like you just process. Yeah. And I know that's fun. a weird take that, that to say, I just, movie. yeah, I just sat and watched there. But like, I think you needed to decompress. Like I can text a, my buddy, Adrian, which mm-hmm. I bring up all the time. Like we're like lovers, <laughs> um, which is fun. I don't care. Um, I can text him and I can just text him Wind River and just that. Yeah. And he will text me back that scene. He's like, oh, that seems great at the end. Like yeah. that's, I know, because we already had these conversations. Mm-hmm. Like, well, that's all we talk about. Like, I really like Hello High Water. I really like Wind River. I like Taylor Sheridan. I haven't gotten to his shows. We tried to watch Yellowstone, but the first step was a dead horse and Jody was out. So yeah. I have to watch it on my own. Oh, don't watch. Up, or don't I don't watch, care. No, don't watch. She, she uh, don't watch Nope then. Uh, she, <laughs> she won't. She won't watch it. Magic City. <laughs> I'm fine with it. I tell her all the time. These aren't really. Like, we watched Jurassic Park Fallen Kingdom and she's like all sad. I'm like, they're not real. They're CGI. Oh, the brontosaurus. Yeah. That is depressing. Yeah, pff, not, not for nothing, but like he couldn't get in the water. He's huge. He, he just, did get in the water. No, he's the not. He's, he's, he goes, like this, he goes like this. Uh, and the water's uh, boiling from over. the volcano. For those who don't see, I'm doing a He grandma's over. from uh, Dante's Peak. He doesn't. He doesn't. <laughs> I just watched it last week. He gets, he just like, uh, and he wavers, and it's, the smoke takes him, and that's it. He falls down on the pier. All right, let me give you some facts then. All right. This is the sixth highest grossing indie film of 2017. I'm going to give you the top five. And I don't understand how these are, these are indie films. A Bad Mom's Christmas. What? 47 meters down. The Big Sick, Valerian, and the City of a Thousand Planets, well, and The Foreigner. Uh, Valerian, he funded completely on his own money. Okay. He lost so much money. Well, it's a bad film. But yeah. <laughs> but The Big Sick? The big, the, big sick? the big Sick was an independent film. That was an Amazon indie. And they just kind of went to theaters. Okay, all right. Bad Mom's oh. Christmas? That's I don't sequel. understand how Bad Mom's <laughs> The Foreigner with Pierce Brosnan and Jackie Chan? That was an independent movie. There's like Because I think that was French funded or something. That's pretty good. It's all right. It's good. I, do I remember a lot of it? No. I don't remember a lot of it. I, think, I thought I liked it. But it's not Jackie Chan doing Jackie Chan stuff. 47 I don't care. Meters Down is <laughs> the it's Peter the, Berg one, right? No, 47 Meters Down is the um, shark one. Isn't it the shark one where they're in the... They're, isn't it? It's the shark one. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's shark. <laughs> I, blame, <laughs> I blame the big sick for, uh, for what? Eternals and Obi-Wan. Oh, why? Because of uh, Kumal Nanjiani. He's not a big fan. He, no, that's, he was big in Silicon Valley. That's I know. Why. I didn't but, mind him in Obi Wan. He's a little distracting, but not terrible. Well, you're right. Forty-seven meters down is a jerk one. Which yes. is? I was, yes. Why am I thinking of what's the oil rig one with Peter Berg? Oh, that's uh, that's um, because that's got Mark Wahlberg, Deepwater Horizon. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good one. That was a good one. That's all right. I love Patriots Day. You should watch Patriots Day. Oh, I love Patriots Day. Yeah, I would put Patriots Day on those. I list. love that. I like that. I like what he I did not. Some the hatchet. It's like, hey, help. <laughs> <laughs> the whole gunfight scene is fantastic. It is. The whole movie is fantastic. It is. It's a really good it's... film. I'm so, and that's another film that really people don't want to. I don't talk about Patriots Day. We're talking about Woodrow. <laughs> right. Patriots Day is a good movie. I'm not I'll do Patriots Day with you guys. <laughs> I'm surprised nobody talks about that as much. I'll just as, do it right now. As much. Because that came out and it came and went. 
when it came out. Came and went because La La Land came out the same time. Uh, yeah. And right. so we made the mistake, and now this is all going to get cut. I know that, but no, we don't cut stuff. Um, no, my this, this, this is this is this is getting this is get long. <laughs> we got three people talking about one movie, but now we're talking about eight movies. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we were in Boston. My sister and I were in Boston that weekend, and so our choice was Patriots Day or La La Land, and everybody's hyping up La La Land. So we're like, let's just go see it. We fell asleep. Yeah. by the time they meet at the 80s like yeah. she's telling them to, to play Iran yeah I didn't see the rest of that movie I don't like La La Land no it's me neither a, I shouldn't say I don't like it I'm not I'm not it's not something that I'm like oh my god I love La La it's fine it, but there's I, there's character choices in that film I'm just like I don't get it's just they made choices in that film because of the plot because of yes script okay back to this anyway one. do you like the Silence of the Lambs door knocking cut you know what I'm talking about right Yes. Okay. Do you enjoy that part of the movie? Like that whole aspect? Yes. Okay. You're okay with that flashback happening that way? I think it's a really cool way to do the flashback. I'm not disagreeing with you. And I think a lot of people aren't seeing it coming. Right. And I think that it takes a character that you're just like, ah, he's got to be the murderer. Ah, no, he's not the murderer. And makes him this extra character and Mm -hmm. lets you see that Natalie was almost out. Like not only was she in love, not only was Matt actually a really good guy, but they were in love and like she was about to move out. She was about to leave mm-hmm. and go to Ohio, which apparently is where John Bernthal actually that, lives. Yeah. yeah. That one of my notes is that he was, when he described it to her, like, you know, the it's a little, it's an idyllic little mountain town that every try, everyone smiles at each other. Yeah. He lives there. So, I wonder yeah. if he was like, Hey, can I talk about where I live? Why not? Why not? Yeah, I mean, maybe, like, maybe he worked it in there. Yeah. Maybe he said, listen, where maybe they said like, do we want you to talk about a place where you live? And he's like, well, I live in Ohio. If you want me to, maybe they just kind of work right, together yeah. on that. Yeah. But I think you need that because it shows that she was one of the few characters, especially women that almost made it out of the reserve. Well, let me ask about Natalie. Do you think we need the opening scene where she's running across the woods and they have the title credit? Is that real? Do we need that scene? And uh, like, I think it's a catchy opening. I think it's a hooky opening. Right. Yeah. So I think so. Otherwise, it becomes, and I know uh, Taylor Sheridan referred to this as CSI Wyoming. Otherwise, it becomes CSI Wyoming. Okay, sure. You know, you need. I think you. I think you do, and I think. You, but you also want to because they make such a big point to say she ran six miles. Sure. You need to show that that willingness to run, and you see it in her face mm-hmm. when she's doing it. And I think. I think she does. The actress does a really good job, and like they're two very tough scenes that she's in. Yes, agreed. that I think. You need to see in her face the determination to continue running. Right. Well, she was a fighter. Like he brings yeah. that up a couple of times when he's talking to Martin, the father. You know, they they, they kind of talk about that a yeah. little bit. I like Martin's line when when they when Jane first gets there and he he's like, "Why is it whenever you people try to help, it starts with insults?" I like that line. That's a great line. I I, I like you know, it's like the character of Martin could be played easily as somebody who's just angry, and he is mm-hmm. angry and just doesn't trust any. But you can tell as soon as Corey shows up that he it can't drops. fight it. Yep. Yeah. yeah. He can't fight the emotion because Corey is somebody that I don't think because he's gone through, but Corey is one of his really good friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that brings you to the point of the end of the film when he sits down next to him. I love what he said. I'm not to joke. I know I jumped ahead, but yeah. I love what he says to him in the beginning. He's like, you know, I don't want you bringing him back like that. Cold yes. Like I love that. You take care of it. I'm like, yeah, take care of it. yeah. I think the other, how'd he go out? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, good. Yeah, when he goes, when he says, I hear there's one missing, one one still out there, he's like, no. No, there's not. Yeah. And I love the point, I love the moment when he's got Jane in the trailer, and he's like, I I, I won't bring her okay. back. You have to know that. She's like, I do. Go get him. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> one thing I want to add to that scene, the first scene with Martin, I love the camera work. And it's, 
you know, we we've talked about the gun, the the, the shootout, and we could talk about the set, the first shootout earlier in the movie. But this is just a simple like conversation between two guys. The camera work is very well done. Mm-hmm. You get the the focus pulls, you get the the tightened focus on the two fathers. It's just a very it's just subtle camera work, but it works. And their and framing the, is great too. With yeah, the, the white pillar. Yep, separating the two. Right. And I don't think some. I think sometimes in in movies like this, and you know, Sicario too, being another one of his, like we highlight the 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 gunfight at the border. Which yeah, is a fantastic a scene. Right. It's a great scene, but there are other subtle, like more subtle camera work moments. I understand he didn't do he didn't direct it. he didn't direct Sicario, but the he the, set it up. Yeah. He said it, you know, but that's a great scene when it's still, out of the car. It's still a great yeah, scene. Yeah. That's Deacons, right? The first yeah, uh, directed it. Man, no, um, uh, I don't know offhand. Directed by it was Villanueva. Yeah, Villanueva. so probably because yeah. he did. They did Blade Denis. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the point being, I think sometimes we we. Uh, underestimate the the more simple storytelling moments and the shots from the more simple storytelling moments. I think that all comes from the script. I think it all comes from how it's laid out. I mean, you know, just the characters like you root for you're rooting for Jane and you're rooting for Corey, especially at the end, Uh, you know, when they, when they're, you know, the the gunfight happens. So you're, you're already locked in Mm -hmm. and you always, you already want to see them succeed. And she takes the right to the chest. So you don't even know if she's survived. Yeah, especially in a movie like this. Yeah. The other thing that to kind of jump off of uh, Pat's cinematography comment is the music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The the whales, the whaling song when you're in like the reservation that you see hear the women's whales. Mm-hmm. Like that is kind of unsettling, but still part of the music. Did you like the poem being read? A bit? Did you I like did, the, yeah. uh, the whispering? The whispering the, poem. Yeah, yeah. Especially when he's hunting uh, Paul right. Bob. I forget his name. Peter. Pete. Pete. Yeah. Pete, yeah. yeah. At the end. He doesn't like, hunt them. He just kind of like, yeah. Oh yeah, he doesn't need a hunter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's got a shot like eight times. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. I, I, yeah, did no, you, you enjoyed great. that? Yep. The music is really well done in this film. Mm-hmm. Really subtle, but works in a really creepy kind of way to kind of give you that feeling of being on that room. See that's yeah. see that's the thing too. I don't want to belabor this point because I always do because obviously I'm the writer. But like when the script is solid, when the script is good and strong, and it knows what it's doing, it knows the story that it's telling. All that stuff you add to it just helps amplify it and you love it more. You love it even more. Like we could be watching something that's that's terribly written. And because of it's so terribly written, we're missing out mm-hmm. on like good music cues or good or good cinematography. Because yeah. your music cues and your cinematography is trying to fix something. Right. To right. Something. We'll fix it in post, that kind of concept. But when the script is so good and Taylor Sheridan can write and when he mm-hmm. can tell a story. And I love the fact that he tells stories that aren't being told. Yeah, like like stories about America and about you know the in between the two coasts. This is the end yeah. of his American trilogy, his Frontiers whatever. trilogy. Yeah, whatever. Um, well, then he does Yellowstone in eighteen eighty. Listen, I get so I, I get why really he's doing bad. TV shows because he's probably making hand over fist, money right? Hand, and that's fine. He's able to tell and the episodic storytelling is very attractive because you're able to tell multiple stories in right. different ways, and that's fine. But he he can definitely write. Obviously, I'm not saying anything nobody knows. But when the scripts are really good, everything that we're talking about that we love about the film just helps amplify what's what's on the page. Yeah, and I think that that and, is something that always starts for me from on the on the paper. So I I agree with all what you're saying. And we talked about it. It's what 107 minutes or something, right? Yeah. It's this is probably would you say a 95 page script? Uh, it's probably 100 100 100 pages. I'm just thinking. There's a lot of moments yeah. of just. Oh, just they could have like, cut stuff yeah, like, yeah, the but hunting, there's like you can't really write, yeah, yeah, right, of him hunting, yeah. But yeah. there's also a lot of like long. You have the traditional Western shots. You have the long, wide shots. They're just 
covered in snow and in Wyoming instead of like on the old West. So like, but the point being is he's able to tell a tight story right. in a very short amount of time. He doesn't need three and a half hours yeah, a story that would normally be three and a half hours yeah. and no one would want to watch it. Do you think that, I mean, I don't know the answer to this. Do you think this is a better film than hell or high water? Just the same. I, still have to see I haven't seen a oh, shame on both of you. Shame on both. You know, of you. I haven't seen it. Cause right. you always keep telling me to watch it. Put it on the list. We're gonna have to do this movie. Ugh. I did. I did. After doing this, I put it on my <laughs> list. Is it streaming? <laughs> I can't believe you haven't watched this movie. Right, well, I guess like you Jack can't. An- you can't answer that question. I can't answer it. Hello, high water. Sheridan didn't direct Hello, high water. He wrote it. Right. But um, Hello, high water is uh, is more of a. Chris Pine's really good in it. Ben Foster's really good in it. Jeff Bridges is really good. Everyone's really good in that. Um, I think Sam Birmingham's in that as well. I think he plays his friend. Um, but yeah, no, you should watch. I recommend it highly. The, highly. The trailer makes it seem like a. This is going to be a weird statement, but like a grown-up Coen Brothers, like no. a grown-up um, raising not, Arizona. It's not, that, it's That's not, what I it's not quirky like that. Okay, it's not. It's serious. It's okay, like when then it's a bad trailer. Yeah, it's a wind. It's it's much along the lines of Wind River. And Sicario then. Of, okay. Yeah, it's it's serious. It's it's you know, it's about two brothers trying to do right for their family, but it's it's not a jokey. So if you believe basing this on Sicario, which is the other of his frontier trilogy. Right. I'd say this is better than Sicario. And I love Sicario. Oh, you don't I love I love the opening moment in Sicario when they find the bodies. Well, that's in what I'm the house. saying. I love Sicario. Yeah. And I think this is better. Well, Sicario is more of a I I also equate Zakari with more of a law enforcement type film. Sure, yeah. yeah I mean, absolutely. not like people on their own, like, you know, like, well, you like also, against you the odds. you still have Benicio Del Toro, who's you kind do. of, yeah. he's got his own thing going on, which you learned from well, the that's what's just, but, but yeah. that's also what the second Zakari was about, about him. Which most. Yeah. I really want to watch the second Zakari. It's more like, it's basically <laughs> about him and, and what's his face, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, lead actor, James Brolin. Josh Brolin. Josh, Josh Brolin. Brolin. Josh Brolin. Because the lady of, from the first one's not in this no, one. No, 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 no. Emily Blunt? No. <laughs> the lady. The lady. I, forget, I forgot who played her. I was uh, picture. Um, Josh Brolin is kind of becomes the antagonist in, in the second okay. one. So okay. It's, so it's more about Benicio Del Toro's character. So yeah. So uh, it's not as good as Sicario, but it's definitely worth watching. Yeah. Um, but also, but back to what you were saying, I always equate Sicario with more of a law enforcement type thing. Like, like this one's almost like the Wind River cast, like Renner, um, excuse me, Corey and Jane. And Ben, they're against the odds. They're outmatched. They're outnumbered. Yeah. In a world you know where I mean? the law doesn't matter. Right, yeah. right. I, I'm going to go with Butler's take, though. I like this, and only because... And I think this is a tighter story than Sakara. I love Sakara. I think it's a fantastic movie. Sakara does meander a little bit. It, yeah, I think this is a tighter story uh, and gets to the point. It's a very small cast. Like They all do what they, they have to do. Sakara, you, you got, like we were just pointing out, there's a few different pieces that to, like exactly what Butler said, it meanders a little bit. That I think the story here is better. I would argue, and and that the the cinematography is better in Sicario, which um, I, I think maybe isn't. It's different. Sicario's cinematography is very yes. Different. I'd have to watch that again. But I do remember getting confused the it's first a, time I saw Sicario. A little the bit. Sicario cinematography is like hot. Yes, like it's supposed yeah, to be. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, 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 it's like, kind of like the yeah, Shield, which you should yeah. still watch. Oh, I love the Shield. <laughs> oh, it's on the list. But it's that hot kind of like shaky cam, yep. kind of grainy camera. Whereas this is like Pat said, this the this is western. wide western yeah. shots. Mm-hmm. I love that shot where he's hunting the mountain lions and he's like a centimeter of the frame, yes. walking across that white plane. I was like, that's nice. Mm-hmm. Which also kind of reminded me of the Last of Us video game. Anybody? Anybody? No, no, no I couldn't get one, no. one scene to I stop. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you want to play Stray now? I want to be a cat. I do want to put it straight. Of course you do. <laughs> of course you do. You can meow. So uh, before I ask why you think it's forgotten, which we'll get to, unless you have other facts you want to jump on, 
Um, I don't have Ooh. any. I don't have any. Nobody. I could not find any critics takes that didn't like this film. So sorry. Obviously, I'm antithesis. What you're gonna say, Pat? I was gonna ask you guys: Is this? I mean, this is a deeper conversation than we need. But is this? <laughs> does this fall into the white savior trope? Because oh, I did geez. find a review. Oh, I saw you're talking about the one that was written by the Native American paper. Yes. Yeah. That they were saying. Yes. Well, and also I think I found another one too from film school rejects, which is, it was under their native lens right. um, that they wanted her, their, her, that, that author's biggest issue was that Natalie is not the main character in the story about Natalie's a native girl's it's death. Not, it's not about Natalie, but though. that would become, that's the lovely bones. Right. She wants yeah. the, the, the native American version of the lovely bones. That's not, yeah, that's, that's not this not, movie. The point it's not of this out of the story to, to light the issue surrounding it, which right. you will not do for a white audience. If it doesn't star white people. Right. Well, but, if it, yeah, but it just, it's about, it's a numbers game. Yeah. You're not going to get the money to produce it unless you don't have somebody like Jeremy Renner in there. And yeah. At the same but, time, you need Jane's realization as well. Right. Cause Jane's yes. realization is our realization. Now, and I, I yeah. that's the point I agree with is I think you need Jane in the film. Like, yes, yeah, she's a white girl from las vegas but she's a uh, two fort lauderdale oh right fort lauderdale right because she gets the alligator at the end um she needs to be here because she's like almost a two-time outsider yep she's a, a a white girl but she's also the fbi and she's young at the fbi job to boot mm-hmm. that you need her in here to again highlight to your point that what this this is starting to show and then the the thought that i had at the end was if any other person did what Jeremy Renner's character did and let the, 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 the Pete character just walk. That's when it gets labeled a little bit more savage. We root for the white cowboy outlaw yeah. in this scene, but it's, it, those are a couple of takes that, that were online. Those takes are for people that want the movie that they want. Yes. And also, okay, fine. So I want that Twitter conversation to go. On. Okay. So fine. You, okay, fine. So you want the lead, you want all the leads to be native Americans. That's great. Then the thing is like, well, then Taylor, Sh- Taylor Sheridan can't write it because it has to be a Native American who writes it. And yeah. Then, okay. Unless you have somebody who is of the quality of Taylor Sheridan, it's not going to be a good film and no one's going to watch it because nobody in there, it, because nobody in there is somebody that, you know, anybody knows not right. gonna get any money to be produced. It's going to look like a crappy film. That's what you're going to get. And you know what? Go make that movie then if that's I'm, what you want. No, no, I, you. no, I know. I know. I know. Yeah. You also don't know what Corey's backstory is like where his family came from and why he's there. Right. Right. He does say like, you know, my family's been here. You forced my family. And you don't know if he's talking about like his wife's side of the family, mm-hmm. right. extended family, or if he's part Native American himself because 300 years well, later. But, but you know, he's welcome. We're all, yeah. You know, he's not always welcome. The Mohegan Sun tribe in Connecticut is uh, white guys, if you see their, their, of course. Uh, yeah. their poster, because they're all percentage Native American. Yes. So Corey easily could be, you know, 40, 50, 60 percent yeah. Native American. I just look like. Where is he not welcome? He's not, I mean, first of all, and this is maybe. The drug den. <laughs> well, he's not welcome at the drug. He's not welcome with the, uh, um Natalie's brother, and I understand that Natalie's oh, brother. Natalie's brother's not. Uh, he's a he's a hophead. He's a. But, he's, but even if he's a, he does make a comment like you're not one of us or you don't belong here. Yeah. And I'm not talking about the other two, met, you know, crackheads. Oh, which I forgot how I forgot that scene that she when she goes down the uh, oh, the hallway. hallway and she blows him off. I, yeah. I totally forgot that. That's scene. very yeah. like Sicario esque. But I yeah. do it's like good. That, yeah. yeah. But I, that that also brings up empties the clip. That also brings up a point: is where's the rest of the FBI? They Your agent just fired on native land. Where's the rest well, of the she FBI? Didn't tell them. She well, didn't I guess yeah, you're right. She yeah. didn't tell them. She didn't tell them. Yeah, 
I mean, that's the other thing too. Like they would be there now that she's in the hospital. They should, yes. There should be some kind of presence there. Now yeah. they'll probably come and investigate. Right. Because <laughs> the white girl's it. in the hospital. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So I guess, like I said, before, I know you brought that up, but before I say why I was forgotten, I'm curious. Is this a movie that you would recommend to anybody or would you recommend it to a certain moviegoer? Like, you have to like films. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like I don't like, you, I don't like recommending movies to people that I don't think will appreciate films. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just don't think they would like it. Like I, people that generally like movies and like stories yeah. and like, like I would, but like, I don't like recommend, like, you know what I mean? Like, I do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you wouldn't recommend this to just everybody. Any, right? No, no, no. I think that you need to be somebody that appreciates this stuff. Yeah. Did you I, watch this film with Elena? I did. What she think? She loved it. Good. She, well, she, it was hard. It's, yeah. it's a hard movie. It's like, not an easy film to watch. She, nope sat there and then crying for a little bit afterwards sure. and then she's like it's a really good movie i'm not crying because of, like i'm upset that you made me watch it like i'm crying because i the wedding's off yeah <laughs> right yeah uh no no she she loved it it was just such a hard movie yeah. to take in especially it being her first time good yeah. i mean i gotta tell you though there's harder films yeah that deal with that subject no there are I talked about the accused the accused yeah. is awful like the deal when they deal with that stuff when you actually see the scene you're yeah. just like oh my god and a lot of the takes i shared today those are from her too, because we talked Good. about it afterwards. Good, but let's be honest, you shouldn't be comfortable with it. No, it you should bother. Right, you should. All that stuff should bother. Yeah, you. I know Elise liked the film. Right, she saw like the last half of it when she got home from work when I was watching it, and um, I think one of the reasons she likes it because she likes all that true crime kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I think somebody who really likes true crime or like the CSI type, so the like, podcast CSI, stuff, like the podcast stuff or like yeah. the unsolved, like the documentary sure. type murder stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. they would probably dig this because it's very similar to. Yeah, it's, it's also a matter real. of fact. Yeah, yeah. Yep. yep. And Renner's do so. Uh, what about you? Perf you like Renner? You like Olsen? You both like the main performances? Yeah, I think they I should have been nominated. Right. Yeah, I yeah. think the whole movie should have been nominated. And that's funny. I think that. And again, I haven't seen Hell or High Water, but I know Chris Pine was rumored to be in this. I like. Yeah. I like Renner over yeah. over this. He's good over, over Pine. Water. He's really good. But I like. I other than that, Chris Pine is too pretty boy, white guy kind of. He's too cowboy. Yeah. No, he's too. If you watch Hell or High Water, oh, I think that's I, what I think. You what you're saying? I think when you, you watch think, Hell, do you think he could play Corey? I think he played a different Corey. I, I don't yeah, know if I he, uh, but but I, I think again, he plays White Savior. Hell or High, but Hell yeah. or High, but Hell or you have to watch Hell or High Water. See, because Jeremy is that he is almost okay. Like Jeremy that kind Renner is an unconventional kind of lead actor because he's he's not tall. Sure, he's not necessarily like, conventionally good looking. Mm -hmm. He's not going to be in the wind and take off his like. Snow cap and be like, I'm hey, telling what's going uh, okay. on. Okay. Again, watch Hello High Water. <laughs> right. Yeah, I have to, because I think your opinion will change of Chris Pine in that regard. I like Chris Pine, but yeah. yeah. But, but everything, but all the movies you've seen Chris Pine in, like, it, it's not like he wasn't Hello High Water. That's what I'm okay. saying. That's all I'm saying. Just, okay. so just why, if you watch Hello High Water, you will get a different opinion of Chris Pine. <laughs> <laughs> He's a crazy white supremacist in that first, uh, that Netflix movie was in. Oh, what was that? Which one? Uh, Smoke and Aces. Oh, that movie's just, oh, You're talking about Joe Carnahan's Coke Fueled Rage. Yeah. Yeah, screen, yeah, screenplay. You don't worry about it. You don't have to catch that. People love that film for Smoking Aces. Yeah, for, it's, it's like years old. Yeah, it's, it's, it's his first. It's his first yeah. one. It's right before Star Trek. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh boy. Anyways, why? Because here's the thing, though, and I'm wondering if we'll get pushback on why we think it's forgotten. Because everybody I talk to that's seen this film loved this film. Why do we? Why do we think it's not? It's a forgotten film, even though it did well in the box office. Pat, you want me to go? Yeah, you can go first. All right. Who's it for? 
It's for moviegoers. It's I'm sorry. It's for movie lovers. It's for people interested in film. Mature movie going. It's for mature movie going audiences. Not meaning older, but people that people who care about this stuff. Sure. And you have, you know, you have Olsen and Renner who and and John Bernthal was in the Punisher, but Olsen and Renner who had just done Civil War together and they had some scenes together. But this is not pulling in the majority of the Marvel universe. That's what I'm saying. Do you think that that hurts them when they do something else that's not Marvel, that people are immediately turned off to that kind of role? Do you think that hurts? I don't think it hurts them, but I don't think it hurts the movie. I don't think it helps the movie. I don't think it helps the movie. Right. So so what we're saying or what you're saying and Butler's saying is that just being in the MCU doesn't translate to success to other films that you do. No, look at Chris Hemsworth. Look at him. Well, no, look at his look at his IMDb page. It has not translated yeah, to well, okay, but he wasn't a lead in the Ghostbusters, but he was the best part. I'm not the, talking about I'm talking about um Extraction. That's a Netflix film. Who knows how that does? Well enough to do get a sequel. Then he goes and does he does docs that he's mm-hmm. like, you know, mountain jumping and stuff like that. He's great in bedtime Steel Royale and his bit parties got. There you go. Oh, he's good at that one. But that didn't I mean it, it nobody was drawn to that movie because, because of him. Because of because, him. Right, exactly. Yeah. It does not translate to success. No, I don't think it. I don't think it does either. Okay. Um, and then I think at the time, and I, I think Sicario has been a movie that has aged very well and has been has picked up a lot of steam to movie guys, to movie you know <laughs> fans, guys. to movie guys. We knew about it. We enjoyed it. It was great, but I don't think it was known to the broader audience. So it wasn't. It, it, that was the pull of Sicario. The pull of Taylor Sheridan wasn't bringing people into Wind River. Um, you know I. <laughs> I think it may be too violent and too many swears to put on cable too. And that hurts. And not, I know you mean the ending or the rape. They won't won't show the rape. They won't show the rape. They won't show all of the the beginning of the wolf. Yeah. They won't show that. They won't show much of the, uh, the meth den shooting fact of they'll show the, they'll show the shot and then they'll show the wolf laying there. They won't show the wolf getting hit. Yes. You'd have to blur out the entire autopsy scene. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I think there's too much to put the, and I know last time for people that tuned into the summer catch when we talked about nobody watches cable anymore, but there's, if this were to be put on cable, there's no movie to put on cable, right? You have to cut out the majority of the movie. So nobody's picking this up randomly. Mm -hmm. And again, to to what forgotten cinema is kind of about. And then I, I, I don't know. I don't know if the distribution issues hurt it. Oh, the Weinstein Company. The Weinstein Company. Well, it's owned by Lionsgate now. So no, but it, it. But at the time when it was still, in t- and I understand sure. we talked about the theater, the box office did really well, but there was the, the initial conversation of who owns the, right, the, the the, the home release. Right, right, right. So I I don't think it necessarily hurt it, but it certainly didn't help. Right. Well, so, why do you? Why do you, I'm sorry, I'm gonna cut you off. Why no, did you just forgotten, Butler? Uh, I think a lot of what Pat said. I think MC success doesn't translate into regular success. Sure. I think Jeremy Renner and Elizabeth Olsen are their B tiers, their B tier Avengers. B tier. B tier. You're not. It's not Chris Evans. Damn. Jr. So you're already not like at that higher level to get any interest. But it's also too adult. But it's also too not young adult, but too much like people our age. It the seniors can't go watch this. Seniors will not like this movie. You know, working at the theater, I know they would come out on a senior Wednesday and say, this is too intense for me. Mm-hmm. I can't deal with the subject matter. So it's really for a late 20s to maybe early 50s type movie. Mm-hmm. And that's your mm-hmm. that's your audience. That's it. I think a lot of just it's not a date night movie. You're not taking your date to this rape movie. <laughs> it's not happening. Uh, it, it's a tough watch. But I think crime fan, like true crime fans and film fans are the only ones that are really going to get anything out of this. 
Okay. To your point about the box office, I just want to, because I looked up the numbers. So the week after the week of the 18th, which was opening, I said a 2.9 million. The week after it, 4.6 million. So it, it gained. Mm-hmm. They had it in more theaters because the yeah. first week it was in 694 theaters. The second week it was in 2,000 theaters. Okay. okay. So then it got 4.6 million. Then the next week it got it went to 600 more theaters. The following week was September 1st, the weekend, excuse me, and it got 6.2 million. And then the next week, same amount of theaters was Labor Day weekend, and it got 7.8 million. So it was doing well. Yes. So it, it was kind yes. of like an, a curve. It just kept increasing, increasing, increasing. And just so I think that's where the pickup was for all that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with what you guys are saying. I think that um, it would, like I said, it, it's probably forgotten because it's not a sexy film. It's mm-hmm. a. It might. I mean, somebody might see it, but it's kind of a downer, like that kind of thing. It doesn't. You know, it's it's. I think MCU. You're right. Like they see it, and because Renner and Olsen are, it's not. They're not playing every character that they know. Um, but quite honestly, it's like I'm. I'm happy that it's not. I'm glad that it had success. Mm-hmm. But I don't want. I don't want it to get over, overblown. I don't want people to. You know what I mean? I yeah. don't know. I just. Well, I, I think if it gets overblown, that's when we get the the procedural show version of this. I think and, you know, Wind River. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah and. Yeah. I think, you know, Butler, you made the comment earlier, it can work done the right way. And if Taylor Sheridan's putting it on a Paramount Plus, we trust it. <laughs> but if they're putting it on CBS after NCIS, oh, no. it's garbage. Oh, yeah. And so you don't want it to be as mainstream. And maybe this is us being snotty and snippy, but we don't want it to be. Snippy. I also don't think it would work as like a continuing of this exact thing. No, it would have to be very no. different and just feature Elizabeth Olsen's character. It's a nice, it's a nice quick story. That's like mm-hmm. hundred pages or hundred, hundred minutes, hundred seven minutes that was told the story and got in and got out. And that was it. And it, and it, it affected you in some way emotionally. Mm-hmm. And you know, it made you, you, there was great moments in the film. And I think it's, it's a solid film. I think it's a great, uh, Saturday night watch. It's not obviously I, I it's, I don't have really, I know I was pushing the negative thing. I don't have anything negative no. about this film. I love this film and I will, I will always recommend it to somebody who is serious about the yeah. film. I don't think I would just recommend it to like somebody who he's going to turn around and be like, it was all right. Cause then I'll be like, you just, you, you're not, we're not worth telling. The you <laughs> it's almost one of those films that I would recommend to people. And if they come back with a different reaction, I'll be like, I'm no longer recommending good right. to you. Like, that. yes, <laughs> Um, all right, cool. Butler, where can they find us? You can find us at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. While you're there, check out all the other great podcasts. We have like yet another MCU podcast with Pat. Um, and Mike. Uh, yes, yes. Yuck. You, you. Yuck. Fine, yes, you are in it. You are in well, it. Well, it's with Pat and Mike. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, join us uh, on the social medias, including Forgotten Cinemas, The Lobby, uh, on Facebook, where we talk about the movies, where you can like tell us what you think about Wind River, how stupid we are for saying it's forgotten. Well, it's not, uh, not having listened to the episode all the way and hearing why we think it's forgotten, uh, I guess. Animosity uh, there. <laughs> wow. And uh, while you're listening to us right now on whatever podcast platform you are listening to us, feel free to like, rate, and uh, subscribe to us. That would help us out a lot. Awesome. Pat, thanks for joining us again. It was good to have you for another time. Um, you got anything you want to say you want to add? Or Just thank thanks. you to us for... No, thank, thank you for having me. Oh, Glad we could hey, talk about a movie that we all enjoy. We all, enjoy, oh, or we all appreciate it. Summer Catch film. I got you. How <laughs> dare you reference Summer Catch in this Wind River episode? So for those who don't know, go back to watch our Summer Catch. Listen to our Summer Catch episode. Pat was on that as mm-hmm. well. It's a movie he loves apparently for, for a variety of reasons that we talk about. Want a pick me up, watch a little lighter film. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Next week we're getting kid friendly with the 1997 film Mouse Hunt. Uh, I've seen this film. I just don't remember any of it. I saw it when I was really little. I really liked it. 
I remember it having really good sets. Did you know that this is Gore Verbinski's directorial debut? I read that when I was looking it up the other day. All right, then. Well, that's next week. Mouse Hunt. Until then, everyone, have a great week on Mike Field. Not Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema. Hello, my name is Andrew Morgan. My name is Shane Beauregard. And my name is Chris Frodell. And together, we form like Voltron to make a brand new entertainment and pop culture podcast called Recent Activity. Every Wednesday, we will bring you deep dive reviews of the hottest titles from around the film and TV world, previews of the next big things to add to your watch list, or do fun things like top five lists, movie drafts, or anniversary celebrations of your favorite classic films. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Starting May the 11th.